Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Sunday, January 7th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to, I guess, welcome to 2024, and welcome to Think for Yourself. As you know, in almost every instance when I'm able to, I try to get my own firsthand experience before I share the conclusions that I draw. And I had such an experience yesterday, actually. I heard several critiques, both pro and con, meaning both left and right, about President Biden's speech that he gave this week at or nearby Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. And because the impressions that I heard were so diverse and so opposite one another, I thought I would listen to the speech myself. Normally, I wouldn't do that. I'm not a fan of this president. I'm not a fan of this administration. And so I would never have taken the time to listen to the speech. But as I said, I needed to. So I watched it yesterday. I listened to it. And what I'm going to share with you from seeing and hearing it for myself is the knowing that I walked away with. First of all, the president's delivery of that speech, I thought, was one of the best he's ever done. There was very little of his speech stammering or his kind of wandering or aimlessly heading off in irrelevant direction. It was very well done. His physical gestures, his speech, his emphasis at times, I thought it was, as I said, one of the best speeches he's ever given in terms of delivery. In terms of the speech itself and the way it was written, I thought it was written incredibly well. I don't know who the speechwriter was, but it was well-formed, well-thought-out, and it was incredibly well-done. As for the substance of the speech, the veracity of the speech, the truthfulness of the speech, the integrity of the speech, well, I guess I would say it was woefully lacking at best and deliberately misleading at worst. So I'd like to go through my experience of how I reacted to the speech as I was listening to it, to particular statements or allegations that the president made. First of all, he called Trump's action or inaction, depending on how you look at it, on January 6th, quote, among the worst derelictions of duty by a president in American history, end quote. And I thought to myself, Really? That's that's was one of the worst derelictions of duty? Because later in the speech, President Biden said, I placed my hand on our family Bible, and I swore an oath just 14 days after the attack in the Capitol on January 6th, end quote. So I thought about what he had said about Trump's dereliction of duty, and I thought about what he had said about his own swearing and taking the oath of office. And so I asked myself, and I would ask you to ask yourself, okay, so what does that oath say? Well, it says the following, I do solemnly swear 
that I will faithfully execute the office of the President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, end quote. So under that Constitution, President, whoever the President is, in this case, President Biden, is the Commander-in-Chief. He is the Commander-in-Chief of our military. He also, under the Constitution, is tasked with that he will take care that the laws be faithfully executed. Okay, so he's acknowledged that he's taken an oath. That oath is to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. The Constitution makes him Commander-in-Chief of our military. And under Article 2 of that same Constitution, there's something called the Vesting Clause, and the Vesting Clause gives certain powers to the presidency. And one of them is that he appoints his own cabinet members, and as a result, can fire his own cabinet members. So I started to think about all of that, and I said, okay, Trump, worst dereliction of duty by a president in American history because of what he said or didn't say on January 6th, And here we have President Joe Biden, who has allowed his head of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, to violate the laws of the United States, immigration law. Furthermore, on day one of Joe Biden's presidency, he terminated two things. Both of them were stopgap measures to prevent invasion of this country, such as we're now experiencing. The two things he did was he stopped construction of the wall along our southern border and he ended the Remain in Mexico program that Trump had initiated that kept illegals in Mexico until they were properly vetted or processed through our border legally. So how does someone who is the president of the United States on day one ended our protections on the southern border then has allowed for three years his appointed cabinet member, the head of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, to deliberately violate immigration law. It seems to me that that's a bigger dereliction of duty than what Trump may or may not have done on January 6th. The second thing he said in the speech is that Trump and his MAGA followers threatened public officials with death threats. Now, think about this. Whenever he talks about Trump and the MAGA followers, he's talking about half of the country because half of the country who voted, voted for Donald Trump. So what about his followers, Biden's followers? What about the left? What about Antifa? What about BLM and the threats that they made and the damage that they have done, particularly during the summer of 2020 when we had those incredible riots in Seattle and in Portland after the death of George Floyd, all because a white cop choked to death a black criminal. It now turns out that white officer is in prison Derek Chauvin, and it also now turns out from subsequent medical evidence that Derek Chauvin didn't kill George Floyd. George Floyd died of the drugs in his body, particularly, I believe, fentanyl. So what about those riots? What about the cleaning and the repair bill for federal buildings in Portland as a result of the damage done during those protests? It exceeded $2 million. 
There were widespread protests that began in May and continued through the summer and into the fall. With incidents of looting and vandalism, police officers died. The Mark O. Hatfield Federal Courthouse was taken over by rioters for something like 100 days. And that was among one of the buildings that suffered significant damage. So what about those threats? What about that damage? What about Biden's followers? The third thing he said in the speech was that, quote, Trump said he would invoke the Insurrection Act, which would allow a president to deploy U.S. military onto the streets of America, end quote. So he says it out of context. Because Trump said that during the Seattle-Portland riot, the destruction and the killings that went on for 100 days, while rioters occupied a federal building over which Trump has the authority, the jurisdiction, the responsibility to assure the safety of. Biden then said that on January 6th, Trump and his violent mob were insurrectionists, not patriots. Well, I don't know how many times this has to be said, but number one, no one, including Donald Trump, no one arrested for January 6th has ever been charged, let alone convicted, of insurrection. Never been charged with insurrection. Never even been charged with incitement, let alone rebellion or insurrection because it wasn't a rebellion or an insurrection. It was a riot. It was a riot. It went awry in part. Not everyone there in Washington at the the, uh, Capitol that day was involved in the law-breaking. And so it was not an insurrection by definition. Also, every time Biden says Trump and his violent mob He's referring to the MAGA people. He's referring to half the country who voted for Donald Trump, 73 or 78, whatever it was, million people. They are not a violent mob. They are people who have a different political opinion than Joe Biden. He also said that Trump is using the same language for his 2024 campaign as Nazi Germany. Now, as a Jew... I take offense at those kinds of analogies, those kinds of comparisons, throwing around Nazi references. Because what that is, it's just fear, 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 and more fear. And it's implying demagoguery. It's equating Donald Trump, or trying to, with Adolf Hitler. Which again, as a Jew, but also just as a thinking person, it's an offense. It's an offense and it's an insult to intelligence. Biden then said that American democracy was tested. He means on January 6th. And he talks about democracy repeatedly. And he spoke from Valley Forge or nearby because he's standing on the principle of democracy. He is framing this election upcoming in 2024 as a choice between democracy and totalitarianism, democracy and dictatorship. And every time he says that, I wonder, does he not know the Constitution? Because democracy is mob rule. It's mob rule. It's why the founders didn't create a democracy deliberately. 
They understood. In a democracy, it's one person, one vote. So what happens in a pure democracy is that you get 51% and they can impose their will on the minority. It is, in fact, mob rule and can become quite unpleasant as mob rule, depending on what the issue is that the majority is enforcing upon the minority. It's why the House of Representatives has representatives from every single state based on population, but not the Senate. The Senate gives two senators to every single state, regardless of the size of their population. It is an effort brilliant by the Constitution, by the founders, to create a check and balance. It's also why we have a popular vote and we also have an electoral college. The founders were equally concerned about a presidential election where, again, in a pure democracy, one person, one vote, the majority, 51%, could impose its will. The electoral college is a check on that. And those electors are within each state, the amount of electors that a state has, those electors come to their, let's call it voting power, by nature of what happens in the general election within that state. And I don't want to go into the nitty gritty of the electoral college right now in this episode. I just want to make the point, we are not a democracy intentionally. So democracy isn't on the ballot, as Biden said, and your freedom is not on the ballot, as Biden said, because what those two statements imply is you need to fear if you vote for the other candidate, and especially if that candidate is Donald Trump. Biden also said that the alternative to democracy is dictatorship, and that's just a false premise, because in this country, The alternative is a constitutional republic, and we have one. He said democracy is about being able to bring about peaceful change. That is a false statement, because as I just explained, democracy is the opposite of that. Democracy is majority rule, and the power to force the minority to buckle under and comply to the will of the majority. I found it really ironic during the speech that he said, quote, you can't have a contest if you see politics as an all-out war, end quote. Well, isn't that exactly what the left has been doing to Donald Trump since 2016? Under the auspices and under the direction of both Joe Biden and Barack Obama and the leaders of the Democratic Party? Haven't they been doing it since 2016 right up into this moment with the final assault of trying to keep him off ballots in 2024 under the 14th Amendment? Something I went over in great detail in my last podcast. And if you didn't hear it, you might want to because I really break down what that is all about, whether the 14th Amendment applies or doesn't apply. And I did it with great specificity, but also with simplicity. He then talked about Trump being driven by, quote, victimhood and grift, end quote. I don't understand that statement because isn't every leftist group claiming victimhood? It doesn't matter which one it is. As for grift, it's almost a joke because who's a better grifter than Joe Biden? who has raked in millions using his son as the bag boy for the money. 
from foreign governments. He then said, quote, no one, not even the president, is above the law, end quote. If that is true, and I believe it is, and it should apply across the board, he of course meant Donald Trump referring to January 6th and other alleged violations of the law that Trump has performed according to him. If no one, not even a president, is above the law, then Biden should be impeached for failure to protect the border, for facilitating fentanyl deaths, for facilitating human trafficking, and for knowing violations of immigration laws that are on the books. You know, he's suing the state of Texas. His administration, his DOJ, is suing the state of Texas as I speak for trying to do the job to protect Americans, to protect Texans, that Biden's administration has failed to do, and to try and stem the invasion through the southern border by illegals into this country. He also said, quote, the upcoming election is a contest between solidarity and division, end quote. So what's more divisive than calling half the country MAGA insurrectionists? and trying to keep half the country from voting for the candidate they want to put forward. I don't know what's more divisive, divisive, whatever, than that. He then said, America is built on an idea that all men and women are created equally. And I promise you, he said, that I will not let Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans force us to walk away from it now. Okay. So once again, all MAGA Republicans are not in favor of all men and women are created equally. It's just an absurd statement, and it's a divisive statement, and it's done deliberately for that purpose. He then closes referring to a painting of George Washington, and that particular painting is the depiction of the moment at which Washington, having so miraculously succeeded against the British, declined being offered to be king. He not only was offered president, he, was, he could have been king. He could have been president for life. And he walked away from it. And he try, he, Biden, tries to contrast that with Trump's lust for power and wanting to be a dictator. But here are the facts. Joe Biden has had one private sector job in his entire life, and it was for two years. He was a practicing attorney for two years when he got out of law school in 1968. He was first a corporate lawyer with a law firm in Wilmington, didn't last long, and then he became a public defender. Both of those jobs didn't last more than a total of 24 months. And then he entered politics. Two years after he graduated law school, he entered politics. He won an election for a uh, city council in Newcastle County, Delaware, where he lived. From that day on, from 1970 on, until today, for 54 years, Joe Biden has been in a perpetual state of lust for power through political power. He has been a politician for 54 years. He's become a multimillionaire through public service. 
How did he do that? Well, he did it by grifting. So what's a grifter? A grifter is a person who swindles you by means of deception or fraud. So I would make two points. Number one, Joe Biden has used taxpayer money. He's paid a salary with taxpayer money. His entire executive branch under his administration exists as a result of taxpayer money. He has been paid by taxpayer dollars, yours and mine, in one state or another or on the federal level for 54 years. Those are not great salaries. You don't become multimillionaires on those salaries. But he did it by grifting. Us and other countries by selling access to the presidency, at least ever since he's been president, and as vice president and previously, who knows what access he sold. He grifted us by taking money from foreign governments through his son as the bag boy and affected policy as a result. You have to wonder why a Chinese balloon got to fly across this country before we stopped it after it gathered all the intel it wanted on our high security basis. You have to wonder why Chinese citizens coming over our southern border have a different set of criteria. They're only asked five questions and then they're let in. Very different from every other country whose individuals are attempting to enter this country. Why? Well, he's gotten an awful lot of money from China, hasn't he? Through the bag boy. And the second thing, because the definition of a person was one who swindles, which I believe he has done. I believe he has swindled the American people and continues to do so and would continue to do so if allowed to stay in the White House after November 2024. The rest of that definition is swindles you by means of deception or fraud. Well, almost his entire speech at Valley Forge was a deception. It was misinformation. It was selective things taken out of context and strung together to make Donald Trump and his MAGA mob seem like the worst thing that could ever happen to this country. So here's the irony, which if it wasn't so dangerous, it would be laughable. The irony is that so many people who do not think for themselves will take the cleverly crafted fear-inducing, well-delivered speech at face value, and with it, the information and the deception that it's filled with, and they will be grifted yet again by Joe Biden. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again. And until I am, by all means, please think (laughs) for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.